We're Blog we're Talk Radio. Good evening, and uh, welcome to Winchester Radio, our uh, podcast this evening um, for Supernatural. We're going to be talking about the episode uh, last night called Defending Your Life. Uh, we have a very very special guest this evening, Faran Tahir. Hello. Hello. Oh, thank you. Welcome. Thank you thank so you. much for uh, being on our podcast. We're very excited. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, I think this should be a lot of fun. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to get just a tiny bit of podcast uh, business out of the way, and then we will get right to uh, questions and talking about the episode. Uh, I just want to let everybody know that um, since uh, we have a guest uh, for part of the podcast, um, we won't be taking call-ins. Um, you can. Uh, we are live for the next two hours. Uh, if we stay on the air that long, you can always uh, listen to us live or you can download us later on winchesterbros.com. Just click on the link for Winchester Radio. Uh, you can download us through iTunes. You can listen at blogtalkradio.com, Media Boulevard. Uh, you can always go to our Facebook and Twitter. Um, we send the links, uh, Winchester Bros, on both of those things. And I think that's it. So uh, let's get started. Uh, I'm Clarity, and Becky and Vinny are here also. Hello. Um, Hello, Ron. Thank you for coming onto our show. Well, thank you for having me. I think this is a lot of fun. So uh, let's see what we can do here. Okay. Are you? Are, are we your first podcast, or have you been on many before? I have been. Yes. Oh. Uh, a few. I mean, I, I wouldn't say too many, but I, I'm kind of familiar with the format and what goes on. Okay. Um, we can start by talking about the episode last night. Uh, we were all talking before, and we enjoyed it uh, very much. Um, so we just kind of start a little bit. Uh, how did you come to get the part of Osiris? How did I get the part of Osiris? Uh, Osiris was actually, um, they offered it to me. Um, I know and have done other shows with the casting director, and uh, when he read the the part for this particular episode, um, they immediately thought of me and asked me if I wanted to do it, which uh, and sent me the script. And I saw it, and it seemed so much fun, um, fun, and yet it had something um, deeper because I think you were probing into uh, Sam and Dean's life a little bit. So it just seemed like uh, the right thing to do at that point. And it was just it just worked out well for me, because as we all know that the show is um, a shot up in Vancouver, and I was supposed to start a film uh, literally uh, the day this would end. Uh, so all the stars were aligned, and it was meant to be. Well, first of all, I needed to get uh, some idea or a little bit more background on Osiris because um, you want to know what you're dealing with, uh, you know, uh, and you, you want to stay true 
to you know whatever you want to call it the mythology or or the idea of this of this particular character so i had to do a little bit of research on that and then i also had to see how do you bring uh this kind of a character to today's world and make him fun and believable and um you know almost tangible uh so that was that was the i i would say the challenge in it that how do you keep the the mythological side alive and yet make the person more of a uh, a, a character from today uh when you were doing that did you did you try to keep him more like a regal and godlike um or did you try to go more with like the modern day legal judicial judge type well, as I said, that was the challenge. That I think the um, my approach to it was that there needs to be economy in both. Uh, if you sway too much one way, you might lose the um, the intent of the piece and and the the real balance of this character. So, what I was trying to do with it was that there are moments when you see the real godlike authority come in. But in order to extract the truth and in order to do what needs to be done with Sam and Dean, um, you needed to also keep it in the familiar court-like setting. So it, it, it was almost oscillating back and forth between the two and trying to find the right balance of what needs to be done when so that you get a flavor of both of those angles. Were you familiar with Supernatural before? You got the part of Osiris? I was, yes. I mean, the show has been on for a long time, and I've seen it before. Um, and I, I've always thought that it had, you know, uh, it was a smart show. It, it didn't talk down to its audience. And um, it had something to say. Uh, it gives you a great window not only into the supernatural side of things, but also into these two brothers uh, and the chemistry between them and the history between them. Um, and I think that's, for me, that's one of the things that really clicks with with people because they can identify with these two guys, uh, and yet you get this this whole uh, otherworldly situations that you can you can uh, explore a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I, I had seen it, and I did, you know, I um, I thought it was a, a good show to be on. Very cool. Yeah. Um, we had um, someone asked, "Would you like to? Would you yourself like to have Osiris's power of knowing what's inside people's hearts?" Oh gosh, no! <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> the burden that would be, uh, and the the kind of responsibility that puts on you? Uh, and I think that's why our system is set up so that you don't have the judge, jury, and executioner all rolled into one. Uh, that would be, I don't know, I think that that would be really a punishment rather than a reward in your life to have that power. I'd much rather do something like fly or like get invisible or something, you know, of, of that nature. That's that's more my speed. Something a little bit more fun. Yeah, exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in the scene, the very first uh, scene that we see Osiris is actually in the bar, and mm-hmm. Dean has gone there for the first time, and mm-hmm. Osiris bumps into bumps into Dean. Mm-hmm. Is, was that sort of on purpose? 
It was on purpose. I think the way the way I um, envisioned this guy is that he, every time somebody walks in, having this ability of looking into people's heart, I think makes him hone in on uh, troubled souls uh, a bit. And I think that kind of a bump is just to kind of almost like um, a physical feel of how deep or if or if this guy's guilt is worth my time or not. Uh, that's how I looked at it, that he probably, Osiris' uh, uh, MO is to bump into people and see, okay, today if I bump into seven people at this bar, who is the guy or who is the, the woman that will deserve and needs my attention right now? So that's I think I think it's his it's his uh, it's his gauge, uh, so to speak. Mhm. That's a that's the perfect place because people drink, they start talking, and it would be fairly easy to find out just what they feel guilty about, either there or church. Exactly. Sometime. Exactly. And I think that's the. Um, I mean, if, if if you look at if uh, you know uh, if you look at cross section of, of, of humanity, um, you know, uh, people some people go to church, some don't. Um, also, church, you know, unless you're in, in confess, con, confessional, um, you might not talk about what is going on inside of you. Uh, a bar is one of those places where people come for for fun but also come because they might be dealing with something that either they're trying to forget or deal with or um, or at least uh, vent. Maybe another thing Osiris can probably do is become a, a therapist. I mean, there is a, there's also a way to, uh, to dig deeper into people's uh, minds and hearts and brains. Very good. Yeah, yeah that would be a logical place to find Dean as well. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it kind of, to me, it seemed like the the bartender, the way she, you know, basically she, she called herself kind of like a, a psychiatrist, basically telling people, you know, tell me your problems. Uh, was was that like maybe could, in the storyline, did it say like that was maybe a reason why Osiris liked that bar because she tended to bring out stories from the patrons? You know, it, it didn't say it in the, in the script, but I think that's an interesting point. Um, if we were to, to construct uh, a backstory to Osiris, uh, I would think that he probably auditioned a few bars and uh, looked at the environment of, of, of a few places see, to see what, what environment and what people draw others' uh, secrets out. Uh, you could go to a very high-end bar, which is, say, a you know a place for business people to gather or whatever, and that might not be the right venue for someone to be talking about their deepest, darkest uh, issues. Uh, a regular bar, a, a, a neighborhood bar, or a place where people just come to to have a burger and a beer or or drink uh, might be the better place for someone to be talking about their their life. So I think if, if we were to construct a, a backstory, I would think that he probably went to, I don't know, um, in Dearborn, maybe went to like, you know, 
12 bars and figured this one was the one where people were actually in the, in, in the safety of um, the, the environment had some kind of a safe feeling that people could just say what they wanted to say. Okay, and I was also wondering, was there any any scenes that um, maybe that you had that maybe did not make it to the episode? You know, let me think. Um, actually, no, there weren't any. I think we we did all of them, uh, wow. especially because I think this particular episode was so focused. You know, you had the setup of people that um, I I try and then eventually actually end up punishing. But the if you really look at the episode, um, it was um, a back and forth between them and me um, with, you know, bringing in characters or witnesses or all that. But because it was so... Um, focused on that there was nothing that we that we didn't uh, actually end up seeing uh, in the episode i will say that it was a very hard shoot in the sense that we had so much to say i mean there the middle part which was almost oh i would say 17 pages of wow. text back and wow. forth back and forth back and forth and when you're doing a TV show, um, you don't have a luxury that maybe film does. Uh, you are on a very tight schedule, so you better get it. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. when I looked at the uh, the script, I usually um, use a, a yellow fluorescent marker to kind of mark my lines, just to kind of get that's that's one of the things that I do, just to kind of get my uh, mind around the lines. And the the middle section of that script is literally all yellow. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, we just don't stop talking. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it was quite it, it was quite a feat. Uh, uh, 17 pages uh, we shot, and I think that section was probably shot in, a, in two days or two and a half days. And that is a lot of talking because uh, each uh, take, you know, I mean, if, if you're doing one angle on on the camera, um, mm-hmm. you might have to do the same thing six, seven, eight, nine times. Uh, so that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a lot. Oh, that is a lot. A lot for Supernatural. I mean, they talk, but they're usually a little more action-oriented. Exactly, exactly. Kind of show. Uh, but it didn't, but, it didn't feel that way watching it. I mean, sometimes if there's lots of dialogue, and maybe you're used to a show that there's a little more action. You just kind of hmm, kind of look at your watch, but it, it didn't feel mm-hmm. that way at all to me. I thought the, the yeah, dialogue I think, and the interaction you know, uh, cover was we great. We tried to keep. I mean, as as you know, supernaturally, you know, there there is there is a lot of humor, and and uh, you know, they can be very light at times the way they they throw out lines. And I think that was the one thing that in those scenes we tried to do was that it would be death if it started to drag. Because uh, mm-hmm. then, of course, you know, people are going to look at their watches and go, well, please get me out of this. Um, we try to keep it as quick, as fast, as snappy, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, uh, not get stuck in moments too much, 
give the right moments the right weight, but not make every moment uh, as heavy as the other one because that is a trap that you can get into when you have a lot of um, words and you start to make everything too precious. Uh, it doesn't need to be. I think uh, people are smarter than that. The audience is smarter than that. They know where the real important uh, important stuff lies. You can punch it a little bit so that it's easier for them to get there. But for the rest of it, I think the the key is to keep it moving, keep it flowing, keep it liquid, uh, and actually have a rapport on mm-hmm. you know on screen with the, with the characters. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, Osiris talked about having three witnesses uh, for Dean. Mm-hmm. And he he had Joe and he had Sam and I I believe the audience is meant to think the third witness would have been uh, Amy, a character that mm-hmm. Dean mm-hmm. killed last week behind Sam. In fact, did, were you aware of that part of the story and and that's indeed the character? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Because you know, I mean, you don't want to go into any situation where you don't have the backstory on on the characters. Uh, so I was given you know a. Um, a good amount of background on what that was. Um, there is, you know, sometimes it's, it's better not to know because then you can discover on screen what, um, what, what, the, what the secret is. But in this particular case, Osiris being who he is, uh, it was important that I had a good idea of where the guilt uh, lied and how to tap into it if need be. Mm-hmm. But I think you also see with Osiris that he's, he's, he's playful. I mean, he, rather than having uh, you know, Amy come out, he, he actually ends up just talking to them. And he's, he's literally, he knows that in the end, he will do whatever, the, whatever he wants to do with it. So he will allow anything because, you know, uh, because it's fun. Uh, and it's almost toying with them. He knows that, that the guilt is the guilt, and that's not going to go away. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, every every person that he brings to his court, he knows he already knows that they're guilty and that they're going to be found guilty, basically, right? Yeah, exactly, because I think what, what he's playing on is that, yeah, there is a, you know, there's a price to be paid socially, but the thing to remember is that even when you pay the price, what happens? Are you on on the inside? Do you feel then vindicated after paying that price, or does that guilt still eat away uh, at your soul, at at your core? And I think that is the thing that that he he pays upon. That in the end, we have to be honest with ourselves. And if you're not being honest, and if you're to the world telling that, you know, I, I paid the price and now it's done, but on the inside, if it's, if it's still eating you up, then, you know, then you've you got to come to terms with it at some point. Um, someone named, on t- Twitter tweeted us a question. Her name is um, Taya Hill. She said she wanted to know if you, were, if you would be found guilty if you were put on trial by Osiris. <laughs> That's actually a great question. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, uh, yeah, I would be found guilty if, again, if I had, if I felt guilty about my actions. 
I would not be found guilty. I mean, uh, it, it all has to do with personal guilt. And that is what Osiris is, is uh, going for. He's going for your personal, um, what, the effect that that is having on you rather than on the world. So, yeah, if Osiris felt that this was, that, that he was, um, that he was guilty, then I would think that he would, he would find himself guilty. That is why he picks one brother and not the other, uh, because you see towards the end of the episode, they have a whole conversation about this thing, that how come you weren't picked? And, you know, the answer is that because, you know, I'm, I'm at, at peace with, with, my, with myself and what I did, and I've come out on the other side of it. Do you think that, do you feel that even though, even though that's true, once Osiris picks who feels guilty, that he manipulates the situation to maintain that guilt within that person? You could say that. I think he, um, he brings in all the elements which, which makes the, um, you can call it the victim or the 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 culprit or however you want to phrase it and judges based on on all the elements all the witnesses and everything else what that does to the person uh on trial and gauges his his response based on that um so yeah i mean does he manipulate me yeah, i would think so i think it's not just i don't find him to be just an evil, uh, you know, uh, player. I think he he is honest in his in the duty or the 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 power that he has. Uh, he doesn't go to you know he goes uh, to Dean because Dean is having this issue, and Sam isn't. So he is not going to bring Sam in and then manipulate uh, guilt into Sam. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna hone in on Dean, who's actually dealing with it, and then bring in all the pieces that make him feel guilty. And Dean's guilt has been like a, a major part of the show basically since the very first episode. Do you think maybe uh, that this episode and what he went through with Osiris and everything may actually help Dean to you know let go of some of that guilt? You know, I, I, that's, yeah, I, think, I think you're right. I think I, I thought about that a lot because um, it's, if, if nothing else, I think it's, it's, it's a, an important moment in that journey of guilt uh, to be able to actually see it for what it is and realize it and actually have an honest conversation with Sam about it too uh, you know, I, I would think that it could be the, the start of, of that healing, but then again, you never know. Uh, one could definitely create a case around it that this could be that moment if he was to um, evolve himself out of this, this, this deep guilt that he has. This would be a great place to start. Now, um, going thinking of your time when you were um, filming the show, how how many days, how much time were you there on set filming your parts? 
You know, usually uh, these shows take about uh, eight to ten days to do. Uh, I was there for the entire time because I think I had uh, maybe a couple of days off um, while they were shooting other things. But uh, there was a day that we shot all the the bar stuff. And then there were two or three days that we did all the court stuff. And then there was a day when we did um, the stuff where I where I um, get Dean and also at, at the end where I get the woman. It's, it's all the same location. So, you know, out of... Um, Ten days or whatever. I mean, I was probably I, actual work was maybe six days. Mm-hmm. But then you have all the yeah. other things like costumes and all that that need to take you know you need to take care of. I was going to say your wardrobe runs has something real extremes in this episode because he has sort of a basic hoodie and jeans at one point, and then he yeah. has a very royal robes that. At the other, yeah, and and so. we toyed with with many things on that one. Uh, the hoodie and all that, you know, that's that that makes sense because that's you know, uh, he's trying to blend in with the with the rest of the people. Um, the the court stuff, we toyed. I mean, we we discussed many different options. That we could have gone more traditional, and we actually had constructed a whole thing which is white and very bejeweled and uh, that with headgear and all of that. There was that option. There was the option of making him just a very regular uh, lawyer judge uh, guy with a, with, a, with a suit on. And then there was this, this uh, blend, which was what we ended up seeing, which was, yes, he is a judge, and yes, he is also a god kind of a thing. And that's what we ended up choosing in the end. But there were there were many variations um of of costumes that we, we looked at and tried and, and then t- took photographs of. Um and there was a lot of back and forth on it. It was so much so that I didn't know until literally the day we started shooting that what was gonna be the, the final costume on that. Hmm. <laughs> What was it like working with Jared and Jensen? You know, absolutely amazing guys, both of them. Down to earth, really fun to work with. Um, they, you know, they they know that they have a good show on their hands, and yet completely, you know, we actually had a lot of laughs uh, working on this. So I, I had a ball because. Um, Especially on, on in a situation like this where you're just dealing with two people, and and especially two people who are who have been on the show from the get-go, uh, and you're the new guy coming in uh, to create a rapport. It's easy to do it with one person, but uh, to do it uh, in this triangular fashion is a little bit harder because different chemistries come in, and I felt no issues with any of that. It was really a lot of fun to do that. They're notorious on that set for being um, jokesters and pranksters. They are, they are, and and the 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 funny thing is that I have a similar way of working, so it kind of worked out really well for all oh, of boy. us, uh, because um, that that's kind of the fodder that I use to kind of propel myself, and it seemed that they were right there, you know, in the in the same vein. So it was it was a lot of fun. That's good. 
Okay, oh, good. Maybe we'll see something on the gag reel. Oh, you might. I know. I know. Um, and, um, go ahead. No, you got it. Okay, I was going to ask, you have been in so many awesome different shows. Um, recently, you were also on Warehouse 13, which is another one of my favorite shows. Hmm. What, was it like, what was it like working on that show? You know, Warehouse 13, I have a recurring role on. So uh, I think I've done about six episodes now or seven mm-hmm. in the last two seasons, and that's been a lot of fun, too. I think it's, it's a great premise. Um, it gives you so much freedom. It almost becomes uh, theater-like because you can go to different places, different times, different you know, uh, styles. Um, and that, again, is a great uh, group of people to be working with. We have uh, had some really, really, really uh, great moments on and off uh, screen um, on that show, and I'm hoping that we will keep on. You know, uh, I, I will be going back for for more uh, because the way it's set up, uh, since I am the head of the warehouse, I think there's there's more stuff to come yet, or at least that's what that's my understanding. And there's so many changes with the regents at the end of the season and everything. You're one of the last few remaining regents, it looks like. Yeah, you know, and the way it's set up is that um, I end up being the, the head of the regents in, uh, for the warehouse. So I think they needed one other figure um, besides Mrs. Frederick uh, to be in there who, who could also have a voice in it. It almost becomes between Mrs. Frederick and me the, the father and the mother of, of, <laughs> of this family in a way. Um, <laughs> Uh, one one is Miss Frederick is more the heart, and I think Edwin Cosan ends up being the 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 mind of of it, uh, more practical in his approach. So it's it's a fun it's a fun contrast. Now, you have done a lot of sci-fi, um, you know, Supernatural, Warehouse 13, Star Trek, um, even Iron Man. Um, which do you prefer, the sci-fi or more of the drama? A good question again. I think um, I, you know, look. The way I look at it is that to me it's all a challenge. Uh, sci-fi is great. I come from uh, a theater background, and drama. Yes, you deal with emotions. You you deal with all of that, but there is great theatricality to sci-fi. Uh, just the way you can go and see Shakespeare and deal with some huge, big issues. Uh, sci-fi also gives you the same feeling. Uh, it also, uh, you have to tap into something that is not as easily identifiable. Uh, dramas, yeah, you can, you can, you can empathize with, with a father losing his, um, his, his child or whatever. Um, but sci-fi, you have to actually transport yourself to a whole other place and yet make it believable enough that people can then believe it. So I, I like them both. There is a place for, for both of them. The way I look at it is that sometimes you, if, if, you, if you were a painter, you uh, sometimes paint in oil, sometimes you sketch, sometimes you use watercolor. It just depends what 
you're trying to to show the world and share. So I don't have I don't have any any real preferences. Uh, it just seems that that sci-fi has you know uh, that people have actually responded to that side of my uh, you know of me that I keep getting these uh, these really great sci-fi shows and movies and movies yes yeah yeah Star Trek was a great reboot it was a great reboot I think um, what I loved about I think J.J. Abrams can I have said this to him actually that he can he can sell water he can tell me that it's it's a new thing that nobody's ever seen it before and I would believe it because he's that smart of a guy Um, what I liked about Star Trek and I I grew up watching it was the fact that for such a long time um, there hadn't been a a Star Trek movie or TV show or whatever they'd all died away and there was a whole um, generation, you can almost say, that didn't really grow up with a first-hand introduction to Star Trek. And J.J.'s reboot does an amazing thing that it, it satisfies all the old Trekkies, and yet mm-hmm. it gives something to the new Trekkies to call their own, in a way, mm-hmm. and get connected to this, this uh, pop culture saga that we are... Uh, that we are so used to, um, because I think as as time goes on, these are the kind of shows or or stories that you know become um, the way Odyssey was in in, in back in the day, right? Uh, these are these are huge big um, pieces of 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 culture that that we have to that we leave behind. Mm-hmm. He did it with great respect for the original. Sometimes when they do a remake, like, say, I don't know, Starsky and Hutch or one of those, they, they make a comedy out of it and make yeah. fun, and I, I don't think it worked. But because I think he had respect for the original Star Trek but did his own update, I think that was part of his big success. Yeah, he yeah really and, you know, his, his big note to, to the actors was that just – I want to see you guys make it, you know, the fun and all that. The levity is, of course, there. But in the real moments, I really want to, I want you guys to be believable. I want the audiences to connect on a human level, not on an alien level, not on, on a, you know, on, on a science fiction level, but just on one-on-one uh, connection. And I think that was a great way to kind of, bring people in, uh, make it. And also, uh, I think there were some really good, honest performances in uh, in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And a little bit the same way for Iron Man, too, kind of a modern thing. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Iron Man, uh, the, the great thing about Iron Man was that it, if you look at the cast and the director, uh, even Marvel, uh, it was almost a first for for all of those people. Uh, John Favreau had done other things, some things that were kind of uh, not in this vein, but you know, um, had some uh, oh, uh, fantasy uh, stuff in it. Um, Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, Jeff Bridges, everybody—they were not known for this particular genre. Uh, so there was something, you know, everybody had something they wanted to bring and leave their mark on it. Marvel, um, 
actually did this movie all by themselves. They had they had a deal with Paramount, but they were the guys who were driving it, and they had something to prove that they can get this movie done and make it fun. And the great thing about it was that there was really amazing, um, there was amazing amazing freedom given to everyone to to say their piece. Was it always accepted? No, but it doesn't have to be. But everybody felt like they could say something because you were part of something uh, fresh. And I think it shows on screen. Um, a lot of the stuff we, we did as we were shooting it uh, because it seemed right in that moment. And you just had to trust your instinct on it. Yeah. Well, Jim Michaels, executive producer, he tweeted this week about how your first um, on-screen speaking role was in Midnight Caller that he and Robert Singer both worked on. Yeah. Um, so and then uh, Robert Singer directed this episode. So what was it like, you know, working with him again after so many years? You know, it was it was so funny because um, I had also found out that in um, I don't know if it's true or not, but somebody uh, what, I think the casting director said this that they had never offered a role in the seven years of Supernatural to anyone straight out. You always have to go read for the roles. Uh, this was the first time um, that they, were, they just actually offered the role, role to somebody. And we literally realized, uh, all of us, on set that that is the connection that we, we had from way back when. And it was really, it was really fun because... Uh, you know, it took us back to, like, we immediately remembered the episode, where we shot it, the scenes, all of it. And it was great because it kind of reaffirmed my faith and their faith that, you know, that we, that we, uh, that we have come this far, you know. It, uh, it was really, it was, it, was, it, was, it was one of the sweet moments that I will remember forever because uh, to have that as the, uh, the backstory to it was priceless. Mm. Yeah, I loved that show, Midnight Caller. It was a great show. It was a great show. I liked it too. I, I I was living in San Francisco in those days, so I used to watch it. You know, for not just because of the show, but because it was done in San Francisco, and it had all the you know all the familiar places for me. So, yeah. Mm. Wonderful city. Yeah, I love it there. Well, I was I was wanting to ask you uh, about the scene where Sam. Um, kills Osiris with the ram's horn. I know a lot of that was visual effects. Was there? Did they um, have to do anything with you um, for prosthetics or anything for that scene? <laughs> uh, no. The, the note was this. Uh, when you get stabbed, make as many contorted, exaggerated faces as you possibly can. <laughs> uh, so if you look at the probably the original footage, I think I looked like a clown. Uh, they needed all of that so that they could then impose the, uh, the effect on it. But we were laughing our heads off because, you know, um, I think Robert was also probably having fun and not saying cut uh, just to let me go with my stupid traces. <laughs> um, they didn't do anything with prosthetics. It was mostly uh, all done later um, as a visual effect. But Again, you are you're standing on a on a street corner with all the lights on you, 
and you're making the stupidest faces going, well, is this what they want? Is this what you, well, you know, what, what it should be? I don't know. But, yeah, so that that's what we ended up doing. <laughs> and, you know, no one really dies on Supernatural, so I, I wouldn't be surprised to to see you again on the show. Look, I, I have the firm belief, and I've always said it, and we joked about it on Supernatural, too, that I believe that on soap operas and in science fiction, nobody ever dies. You're absolutely right. Uh, anybody and everybody can come back somehow or the other. Mm-hmm. So you never know. You never know. You know. Uh, well, in this episode, Alona Tall came back and her character died about two seasons ago. Exactly. Exactly. And 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 even when they killed me or not killed me, you know, they said, you know, we're going to put him to sleep. Uh, that's a great mm-hmm. way to leave it there. You know, uh, who knows? Maybe. Mm-hmm. If uh, in the 14th year of, of Supernatural, they might want to bring Osiris back for some uh, some mischief, and then they have it. You know, yeah, we just put him to sleep for for 200 years, but he kind of somehow the other woke up, and here he is again. Oh, yeah. Maybe like another that. god could wake him up. There you go. Yeah. Or he transforms himself. You know, I don't know. There, there's so many ways to do it. <laughs> Uh, Osiris was, he had a really good sense of humor and was really sarcastic. Um, was it fun kind of, you know, being snarky with Sam and Dean? Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun to, you know, just poke him a little bit. Uh, and just because, you know, it's, 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 it was one of those things where, you know, you, you, you wish for it because usually things are written, um, usually in shows which serve the protagonists more. Uh, in this one, the whole idea was that he's so irreverent and almost, you know, takes them as like, you know, um, as pawns in his hands. That it was a lot of fun kind of doing that, just kind of trying to find that, you know, that, that little needle, little prick, um, so that you could see them wince a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I love that kind of stuff. Maybe I'm sadistic. I don't know. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's more about getting there than the actual decision in the trial. It's like, mm-hmm. how much fun mm-hmm. can I have torturing them on the way? Yep, yep. Um, you were also on 24, which was a, a great show. I think you were also in the, the prequel movie they did to one season, yes. four seasons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was on that, uh, I think it was season four, if I'm if I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. Um, it's, again, it's one of those shows, you know, which, which just makes your heart pump. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. You you have had so many awesome great roles. What has been one of your what has been your favorite role that you've had? You know the way I look at roles is that I have to have I I kind of it's it's my process and my process is this that whatever role I'm playing in at the moment I have to make it my favorite because I I don't think that I can do it service if I don't do that. And if mm-hmm. it seems like you know I'm uh, um, I'm thinking about some other one that was the the, the glory uh, the glorious role that I, I had done before, so I just I look at these things that whatever I'm doing in the moment that has to have all my attention, all my love, uh, and and all my care. 
so it's kind of hard if I look back. Um, there was, there, you know, I, as I said, I'm also uh, I've done a lot of um, theater. So of course, there's a lot of Shakespeare and stuff that I I love. Uh, mm-hmm. There there are um, all these. Um, what, what would be the best one? I think I think this one was was a lot of fun. Uh, I think Iron Man was a lot of fun. Um, I think um, there was there was a Grey's Anatomy I did a couple, which was more of a, a dramatic thing, which I thought was uh, something kind of good to explore. Um, I have a movie coming out which is in the vein of Supernatural, which uh, which I'm very very excited about. Um, I play kind of this crazy guy in an asylum. <clears throat> And that is a is a lot of fun uh, to be kind of exploring that side of yourself. Um, so you know, I don't know exactly if I can't pick one. They're all they're all kind of my you know part of me. Can you tell us a little bit more about this role you were talking about, where you're the crazy guy in the asylum? Oh yeah, it's it's a movie called Jin J I N N. Um, we are very excited about it. Is uh, because it, I think, and I think it's just the kind of thing that people who like supernatural or uh, stuff to do with supernatural are really, really, really going to enjoy. Because it is basically, if you look at uh, the world, uh, the concept of a jinn or jinns is believed by almost two billion people around the world uh, in the East. Uh, the West knows of gin only as the blue genie in a bottle or, you know, that kind of a thing. But it has been talked about in, in um, all the great uh, religious books. Uh, there are mentions of these beings which are created out of fire, and they have their own talents, uh, just like humans. Uh, one human might have a talent of, you know, might be a great mathematician, another one a great doctor. By the same token, some human can have a dark talent, like uh, a uh, a human can be a serial killer. Uh, that is also a very twisted, dark, evil talent that somebody can have. Similarly, jinns are the same way. They can have good talents, bad talents, dark talents, uh, twisted talents. So what happens when these worlds collide? And you, you have um, a conflict between the two. Uh, the way the mythology is set up is that these jinns, the jinn walk amongst us. We can't see them, and we can only be aware of them if, or they can only, we can only collide if we get to know who they are. Uh, it's a movie that will come out probably early next year. Uh, it's called. Uh, there's a website people can go to. It's called you know Jin the Movie. We also created a full. I think this has happened for the first time. We designed and created a car that's in the movie which will be in the showrooms when the movie comes out and this has never happened before you can actually go and buy the exact car that's in the movie it's a, a 600 horsepower um sports car uh, a muscle american muscle car uh, wow. it has it has a lot of potential it deals with the supernatural it deals with um you know, this kind of a conflict between good and evil. Um, so I'm hoping that the people, you know, the people who like supernatural, I think this is 
a natural movie to go and see because I think it has all those elements uh, and also introduces you to literally this idea of jinn, which people in the West don't know about. But if you were somewhere in, you know, in, in Asia or Africa, if you said the word jinn, people go, of course we know about jinn. There are stories, there are verses, there are chapters written in, mm-hmm. written in, 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 in the Torah, uh, in the Quran, all of that, um, that, are, that are about this particular phenomenon. So we're hoping that, that, that we can create almost, if not a new genre, add to this whole canon of supernatural, if we possibly can. Um, the Supernatural, the show, they actually, in the second season, had an episode um, with a djinn in it, and um, it affected Dean. It was, it was one, um, the episode was What Is and What Should Never Be, and it was, one it was a really really good episode so yeah I'm very interested in your movie and maybe we'll have to have you back on the podcast when the movie comes out. Well, I would love to do that because I think I think it, it's it's really uh, it's the right um, alliance or the the right people uh, to be talking to about it because I think there it's it's exactly the right compliment to to say this show supernatural the movie would have. Uh, similar elements in it. So people can go, go, go check out it. I think there's a trailer and there is maybe a teaser on the website. Um, uh, I think it's www.jinthemovie.com or Facebook probably also has uh, a Jin the Movie uh, site on there, a page. So people can, you know, um, if they want to go and check it out, I think it should be fun. And there's a lot of, uh, we're getting a lot of um, comments because we put out a teaser on YouTube and got half a million hits on it, uh, and a wow. really interesting dialogue and, and uh, comments after that. So it's it's I think it's, it, it should be something that uh, people should be looking forward to. Yeah, it's definitely jinthemovie.com because I just typed it in my browser and it, it popped right up perfectly. Ah, good, 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 good. Definitely. And some people are tweeting to us that Sorinda Swan is in the movie as well. Yeah, Sorinda is in it. Sorinda is in it. She was in a couple of supernatural episodes too. So she very was. Cool. She was. Uh, so she's going to be in it. Uh, she has a, a new series of her own now, which is great. Um, and then, of course, I am in it. Um, and it also has. It's. It's. I think it's going to be a good one because it has some real sci-fi kind of um, people that. Uh, the guy who played um, Darth Maul in all the Star Wars movies, uh, for the first time, you get to see him without uh, a mask on him. Ray Park, isn't it? And um, Ray was in this. He was in, in the Star Wars movies. He was in GI Joe. So I think it should be. I, I think it's 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 a good cast and a good story. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's great, and it's funny because Sarinda Swan played a goddess on Supernatural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there, there are all these supernatural connections uh, that, you know, uh, that we will be talking about for for a long time to come. This, my Midnight Caller thing, Sarinda and I working on this other movie, Jin, playing God, God and Goddesses. So, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, it's a whole little family in there. Um, you've done. As a, Go ahead. As a graduate of Berkeley and Harvard, um, 
you're clearly well-trained um, in your craft and your filmography is hugely extensive, what are the what are the greatest strifes you found um, in Hollywood as an actor? You know, the, the issue becomes, I mean, you know, uh, what might be true for me might not be true for other actors. Uh, we all have our own struggles, our own successes, our own failures. Uh, for me, the biggest one was to make sure uh, it's very easy to get, um, uh, you know, typecast and not be able to uh, offer um, variety. So my biggest task has always been that given the fact um, of the way I look, where I come from, all that, that I can keep on providing newer ways um, uh, to look at me and what I have to offer as an actor. So, yeah, so if I do, say, two or three roles which are in one vein, then even if it's a kick in the wallet, I try to do something that gives me a whole other or that gives the audience a whole other look at me. Uh, good examples are, you know, I did uh, Iron Man and 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 and, um, uh, and Star Trek back to back, and then the movie that I followed it with, two movies that I followed it with, one hasn't come out yet, and one uh, came out uh, because it was an independent called Ashes. I played uh, a bipolar schizophrenic in that one, and two mothers that will come out hopefully next year. I play uh, a father of a of a teenage boy who was killed in a mall explosion, and it's all about grief and how two people in the same household can grieve differently and not end up being partners in their grief, and it can corrode a family. So for me, um, the biggest challenge is always not to get pigeonholed and not to... Uh, be you know uh, be the guy that go oh, yeah he all, always plays only this kind of roles because when that thing is over then you're then you're nowhere. Do you do you feel like you make a um, you've had to make a concerted effort to seek out roles that are not specifically written for a Pakistani actor? Exactly. I mean I mean take take uh, you know uh, on on Warehouse 13 I play Edwin Kosan and there is no there is no real. Um, description of who he is you know uh, his name is Edwin Kosan he's a mysterious guy he he is who he is yeah and in, in, in Iron Man I played somebody who came from my background in Star Trek Captain Robau uh, the backstory on him is that he is probably half uh, French well one third French one third Cuban one third, third Middle Eastern um, you know so you have to kind of find ways to keep on not redefining, but kind of uh, just keep expanding the the palette that you have to offer uh, the audience. Um, you mentioned uh, doing theater, and you've done movies and TV. You don't seem to have like a bias and say, "Well, I only do movies. I won't do TV." You seem to enjoy doing all three. I do. I do. I mean, as I said earlier, you know, um, you know, it's 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 what story are you trying to tell? Uh, you know, there's certain stories which can be told best on the silver screen. It needs that expanse and that you know that that great um, visual uh, to tell the story. There are other stories which need the the time, uh, say, an episodic 
where you can really delve into these characters or the stories or the, or the storylines to get to to offer that story. And then there are other stories which you need the intimacy of a theater to be in to be able to experience that. Uh, so I don't I don't uh, I don't play favorites in there. It, it's really the challenge or the character or uh, the piece uh, that that kind of draws me to uh, to a particular project. Besides uh, Jen, do you have anything else that's coming up pretty soon? Uh, yes, I have a movie called Elysium coming out, uh, which I just finished shooting, which is also in Vancouver. That's the one I was talking about, which will come out um, in 2013 with Matt Damon and uh, Jodie Foster. Uh, it was directed by the man, Neil, uh, who directed District 9 last year. And this is the, the next project that he has picked uh, to follow, it, follow District 9 up with. A very interesting story. He's a very smart writer and director. Uh, the movie, is, I think, is going gonna, is gonna to make its mark. Uh, it doesn't deal with you know, just science fiction. It also brings in issues of today and puts it in the framework of the future. Uh, very well-designed, very well-executed movie. So I think it should be a good one. Uh, I think it comes out maybe spring of 2013. So that's coming out. Uh, two Mothers, as I said, uh, hopefully next year. And then Jin, which I, um, which I just mentioned. Um, I was just looking at the cast for Elysium, um, you have another supernatural alumni, Ona Grauer, was one of our favorite <laughs> crossroads. There students. you go. There you go. And Michael and Michael Shanks was also in Supernatural, That's but he's right. also right. well known for Stargate, uh, the TV series. He played uh, someone who was an expert on Egyptian gods. So well, there you go. See, I mean, very it's small it's world. Funny, right? How all these connections, yeah. all these tentacles, kind of uh, uh, you know uh, find their way around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if you got to work with either of them on on Elysium. But uh, my, I worked mostly with uh, with uh, Jodie Foster. Ona, I think we had, I think we had one scene, a very quick one together. Um, but uh, mostly it was Jodie, and then uh, me on my own, and then uh, and then some with Matt. Mm. Well, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. That's- <laughs> <laughs> They're both uh, very, very terrific, terrific actors. Yeah, 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 and, and they do an amazing job in this movie. I think you're gonna, you're gonna really like it. Mhm. Yeah, they both sound so interesting, and I'm really looking forward to both of them, Jen and Elysium, definitely. Yeah, I, I think they both have. I, I'm very excited about both of them because I think they. They they just add more to this you know this kind of uh, of movie making. Okay. Uh, um, are you on Twitter or do you have a Facebook page or anything that you're? I do have a Facebook page, uh, so people can go on there if they want. Uh, there's a personal you know a, uh, a personal thing, but don't go on there. There's a page. Uh, with my name, uh, and that would be great. People can go check out what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. Uh, all about me. 
basically are part of the supernatural family now, and our our fans are very um, attentive. And sort of once you're part of the supernatural family, we we like to keep up and keep track and be very supportive of everybody there. So. So now you're part of the family, so Great. I'm sure you'll see lots of supernatural related. Uh, <laughs> I'm on the radar now. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. 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 Well, my yeah. battery is almost running out on my phone now, so okay. um, I think before it comes, I mean, I'm just saying that that if I cut out uh, at some point, don't think that I just got mad and left. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just because Yikes. my phone just ran out of juice. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, uh, hopefully before you disappear, we can just say, you can say as long as you like, but just to say thank you, thank you so much for being on. It's been such an interesting and fun uh, time on our podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, no, thank really you for having me. I think this has been, um, it's, it's fun. I think it's, it's fun to kind of like actually be able to give the the backstory because people do get to see the final product but i think it's also fun to kind of figure out how it happened or or why it happened or what the process was um it's it's i think it's that that's a lot of uh, that's that's the detail that people are not privy to usually mhm well, in this day and age of so much technology, it, I mean, just it, watching TV, it's different than, like, just five years ago. You can just, you know, it just makes it so much, everybody so much more in touch. And being able to have this podcast with, and talk about your episode just the day after it aired, I, I think it's just amazing. Mm-hmm, exactly. I think, you know, I mean, we, we live in this day and age where, you know, we can literally find out what a loved one is doing across the world, what what kind of eggs they're having for breakfast. Uh, and mm-hmm. this is also one of those wonderful things that we can do, that we can watch the show uh, on Friday and talk about it on Saturday um, when it's not distant memory, when it's really fresh in our minds, and we can have the questions and answers and all that. Uh, I think it, it, it really, really enriches the experience on the whole. Mm-hmm. It's not quite the same, but it's slightly in the same neighborhood as theater where you get an immediate reaction. This is, for TV, it's pretty close to get something that quickly. Or, yeah, or I think that's absolutely right. I think, I think that's, that's a great way to put it. I think that's exactly right. Uh, it is that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's that interactive nature of this which is so great because we didn't have that uh, a few years ago. Um, you know, you saw something in two dimensions, and then it was done. And in order to find out something, you had to go through, you know, so much uh, to get some information on uh, on the show or, 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 or a movie or whatever. Uh, but now, you know, we, we do it uh, in so many different ways, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, both ways, because we love hearing about it and being able to ask questions, because sometimes as a viewer or a fan, it's, a little frustrating because frustrating you think, boy, I would love to tell, you know, uh, this actor or this director what a great job they did. I wish they knew that I loved it or I have a question about something. So Yeah, and, and also from, from my perspective or from the actor's perspective, I think it's, it's a great learning experience for us also because uh, it keeps us honest. It makes us think that, okay, yeah, people are thinking about this and this and this. So uh, did I provide that? 
next time when I do something, should I, I should be thinking about this and this and this layer also because people are uh, tuning into, uh, into um, a performance on many levels. So uh, it makes me think that, look, I can't underestimate uh, the people I'm offering my performance or the story to. So I think it's, it's, it, it cuts both ways, and it's, it's a great thing for both, uh, for the audience and for the people who, who worked on a project. Mm-hmm. Well, before your phone dies... Yeah, I, I was about to say, I think it's, it's probably on the last couple of breaths. So I, again, just want to thank you guys for having me on. Um, I, it was a lot of fun for me. I hope I answered some of your questions. And, Absolutely. Uh, I hope you guys go check out Elysium and uh, Jen. Definitely. And uh, actually keep me on the radar. That would be great uh, because I enjoy it. We will definitely be keeping you on our radar, and we will be watching out for your new movies, and hopefully maybe we can have you back on the podcast. Would love it. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank I you. appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you. Uh, Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, what a wonderful gentleman he is. Yes. What a, so interesting. It was. I love talking with him. He was. He was just a fantastic guest. And thank you again to uh, Farhan Tahir for being on our show. He had so many wonderful stories and such a rich background of, of characters and roles and uh, TV and movies and everything. We we didn't get too specific about theater, maybe next time, but yeah, it was just, uh, I'm just thrilled. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you guys were great. I think uh, you sounded very pleased with the questions and everything. So yeah, yeah, we're glad. Um, should we talk about the episode a little bit? Yeah, it was it was a really good episode, and it brought up a lot of points, I think, that, you know, we've been wondering about for years. So it, it was a really, really good episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I especially, I, what the point that I was especially interested in is it looks like Sam is noticing how much Dean is drinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and it's uh, not just noticing off to the side. Actually, putting it out there for Dean to know that he's noticing. Uh huh. Yeah. Mhm. And he's 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 noticing, and he's letting Dean know he's not being confrontational, and he's not nagging because he knows that's not going to do any good. But it's definitely on his mind, and he's aware, and he wants Dean to know it's aware. And I and I hope that's going somewhere. You know that. Uh, I mean, I know we're getting uh, definite um, reactions and things going on. They talk about uh, when um, the one man who was put on trial and, and killed. Um, he mentions drunk driving, and Sam gives Dean a look. You know, like Dean drinks and drives fairly often. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And uh, what I'm what I'm sort of waffling about this episode is um, we know the third witness would have been Amy that Dean uh, killed last week and I wonder if they purposely did not want to 
go in that direction just yet. I mean, I love that Joe was on, and there's certainly a ton of guilt there for Dean that she was a very logical choice to have at this trial for Dean. But Amy's very fresh from last week, and I I was wondering why she wasn't there. Why wouldn't it come out there? I, I honestly can't decide if I think that was a good idea or a bad idea. I think they're sort of waiting because it actually probably deserves a whole episode on its own and not to be maybe part of like a, like a, a, a bigger plot like this was. What do you guys think? I think the impact of having Joe and Amy, it would have diminished for both characters to have investigation time, having to deal with everything. Mm-hmm. It would have taken away from both of them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If you brought if you brought in Amy, because there's a lot that's going to go on when Sam finds out that Dean killed mm-hmm. Amy. That's huge. So, and if if they brought her on and pulled that out, then yeah, it would definitely have taken away from the whole Joe story. Mhm. I mean, it seems like way too much for one episode, you know. But I, I think it's good that I was curious and wanting to know: Are they going to bring it up? Is are they going to do anything mm-hmm. about this? Yeah, will they bring it out? So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. And, again, it's not like they were stretching bringing Joe on. There's a, just a big, big pile of guilt for Dean still. Um, funny, they didn't mention Mom. Ellen died at the same time. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Why? Um, and I know, you know, for production-wise, you know, they probably couldn't, Get Samantha Ferris, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it seems like they would have brought Joe and Ellen on at the same time, mm-hmm. or at least mentioned mentioned Mom, just mentioned her to to Joe, like you know about uh, just anything. You know, are they together? Are they together in heaven? Do they have uh, they're having together different things, or just to mention because they meant they mentioned Bill Bill Harbell, they mentioned Dad, so. You know, it would have been a good time, but and for all we know, it could have been brought up. And like you said, it's just the logistics of of the time and having to cover a lot in a relatively short space. So it could very well have been in there, and it just wasn't brought up. But just something to think about. I think it also has to deal with what Dean is actually guilt, feels guilty about in relation. Like he feels guilty about Joe dying, but I don't think he feels guilty about Ellen's death because. Ellen went to die with Joe as true. a result. That's true. It was Ellen's choice. Yeah, same thing mm-hmm. with Amy. Like, Dean doesn't feel guilty for killing Amy. He feels guilty because he's hiding it from Sam. Well, Sam's right. already, he's already he's already dealing with Sam being on the witness stand. That's already part of that. That's already encompassed with his guilt with Sam. He has no guilt about Amy actually being dead at his hand. Mm-hmm. It's the repercussions right. having to deal with that and having to hold it back from Sam that is weighing on him, not actually killing mm-hmm. Amy. So I think right. it would have been redundant to bring up Ellen and Amy. Mhm. Yeah. And there was, I thought it was really cool how they were keeping the whole Lucifer thing in the storyline. It's like right at towards the beginning, you hear, you, you know, Sam hearing Lucifer saying his name, and mm-hmm. so I, I like how they're still keeping that going. And yes, yeah, they definitely didn't didn't um, they didn't forget. 
and I like Sam rubbing the scar on his hand to like, mm-hmm. this is real, you know, this is the reality. I think it's a really cool thing that they've done. And then, and then poor Sam and Dean says, oh, this feels wonky. And poor Sam's like, what? <laughs> you know, am I wrong? Is this, is this not real? Oh, no. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think I said something last week, too. I just want to have a, a tiny, shallow comment for just a moment. I thought Sam, and therefore Jared's hair, just looked beautiful in this episode. <laughs> I would have to agree. It's, it was, it's, I like the longer length to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, li- I like rock star hair. You know, Sam could just let his hair grow for like a year and never cut it. I think it would be great. <laughs> oh, I'm right there with you. I love long hair. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, but yeah, I thought, and sometimes I love the Supernatural cast and crew, but occasionally I think in trying to sort of tame Jared's hair, sometimes a little too much stuff gets in it or whatever, and then it kind of has a mind of its own, and then once the whole season he had bangs, and it just kind of gets away. But I thought it was looking just particularly lovely last night. I also think that I'm being outside and the beautiful sunshine is different. Usually there it's nighttime or it's rainy or whatever. And, uh, yes, it's a shallow moment, but, you know, we all have to have them sometimes. Well, it's great. And also I saw um, Sam's uh, patented bitch face, which is Always fun to see. <laughs> um, I think his name was Warren, the man who uh, held up a liquor store when he was a young man and killed him. And he was uh, arguing with Sam about not wanting to stay there and he didn't want to do this. And what am I? So many questions. And Sam just gives him that face, like, you know, just do it, <laughs> as we call it the sandwich face. <laughs> Whoever, um, I don't know the name of the actor that played the um, guy who robbed the store. Um, the liquor store, but that guy, I really liked him. That actor was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was really great. He hey. looked really familiar. What? He did look really familiar, but I couldn't place him on from anything else. But he looked really familiar. When, mm-hmm. when, when he first showed up, I thought he was, uh, oh, what was his name, the angel in... Um, the episode last year when Sam and Dean went to heaven and they met up with um, with the angel Jacob, Joseph, Jonah. It was something that starts with a J that was oh, yeah. garden that God speaks to. Uh, to me, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's him. But no. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of the other cast, because I was just looking it up, uh, Emily, I might say her last name wrong, Alarup or Alarup, uh, she played Mia, the bartender. She was in Sanctuary. I think she was um, Amanda Tapping's character's daughter. Actually, Madness. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> I like finding out what other things they do. So that was really cool. She was really fun as the bartender. And yeah, that was an interesting scene when um, she decides, she and Dean decide to get together for um, some sort of date later on. Uh, that evening, and Dean's outside waiting for her, and he's kind of giving himself a pep talk, you know, like you're you're Dean Winchester. This is what you do, and he said, "Okay, it's been a long time," and, uh, and I'm like, it's a very different place for our Dean to be, and he's usually very confident with uh, women. He usually is uh, doesn't want for uh, partners, and uh, it sounds to me like Dean hasn't haven't had sex in a while. Granted, he's got plenty of other things on his mind. But I just thought it was interesting because that's not the he's been, 
He was with Lisa. You know, he was in a monogamous relationship for a year, so Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, maybe he hasn't, you know, went out on, you know, the the nightly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you don't always see, in the earlier seasons, we didn't always see Dean, you know, hooking up, but you assume he's always hooking up, and it was kind of interesting to realize that you kind of just assumed he's gone back to normal, for normal for him, mm-hmm. and kind of have it put out there that, no, he hadn't on his downtime been hooking up, that he had just kind of let that fall by the wayside. It's kind of interesting to have it pointed out when you really hadn't thought about it because you kind of just assume. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do have to say, I thought Jensen, again, was amazing in the episode, uh, in the scene where he said that um, he's 90% crap, and, I mean, it brought tears mm-hmm. to my eyes. He's like, oh, Dean, you're mm-hmm. breaking my heart. I, mean, I know. A balance in that scene between how heartfelt Dean is and how distant Joe is. Mm-hmm. It was a very interesting juxtaposition. I would love to know what the directing notes on that were because, you know, it had to, it was clearly on purpose that she was very detached while he's being very open with her mm-hmm. for the first time. And he's the first time he's ever open with her, she's a ghost. Mm-hmm. And he and he finally called her on his on her great big crush on him and yeah. Mhm. It was really, yeah. really it was really cool seeing all the flashbacks to you know all the second season and you know even mm-hmm. the flashbacks when Dean was thinking of all his guilt and seeing all the things you know with um dying and all hell breaks loose and all the um Lisa and it was just. I just loved all the flashbacks. Yeah, I, I, I wonder. I'm glad they covered that. Um, the reason Sam wasn't on trial is because it was somehow that he he'd gotten through it. You know, he'd had a, he'd done a lot of bad things, and he he did feel guilty. But then he feels like he he did his time. You know, he spent all that time in in hell and the sacrifices that he made, and he. You know he still has a tough time and he and everything, but he is starting to feel like there's been some kind of balancing out. You know he has paid some of this back or most of this back, and he's starting to get kind of at peace with himself. And you could really see it in that final scene for me. It's like Sam was just so calm and and uh, um, at at peace. And I I hope when everything finally comes out, and I know he's going to be angry, but I think maybe Dean seeing that Sam can can do all these things and then finally get to a place where yes I did but I've I've tried to make up for it and, and um I'm doing the best I can and not feels pretty okay with himself and I hope Dean can look at how Sam's dealing and get some of that peace. I, I mean, I don't know what we'll do with both brothers, you know, like completely, you know, mentally well-adjusted, <laughs> you know, it would be a little strange, but um, I just feel for them so much, especially Dean. I, I hope that, that Dean can get like get to a place that Sam is in, and maybe Sam can help him 
get there. Oh, one other interesting thing I thought we saw Bobby in a storage unit, and you know mm-hmm. usually they're used to calling him, and he's at home looking through his books, and he was in a storage unit in one scene, and then in another scene he was in his car with a bunch of books beside him. As, mm-hmm. You know, they're they're still keeping Bobby, you know, with his um, purpose of you know looking books and finding information, but he's just having to do it in a completely different places now. Mm-hmm. Which I think it's cool. I wish they'd. I don't know. I mean, I know it's just very matter of fact, and and we know why he's he's doing this. But I wish they'd refer to it just a a little bit more. I'm sure maybe they will in the next episode. You know, like I wonder if Bobby will find some other kind of permanent home base, but maybe not. Maybe he doesn't feel comfortable doing that with the Leviathans out there. And at least they mentioned the the, the Leviathans last night. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I wonder if there'll be some place for Bobby eventually, or if he's just going to keep on the move, thinking maybe it's uh, safer for the time being to not have a permanent home base. Like well, what's interesting is their whole point was to kind of go back to Sam and Dean being on their own, and the first thing Sam did was call Bobby and go, "I need your help." Yeah. And that reminds me of another thing I was wondering about. So we see Sam go to the synagogue to steal the ram's horn, mm-hmm. and you know, the guy comes in on him. So what happened? How you know he gets the ram horn? So it's like, what did I he know. do? Like, did he ask? Oh, that was very funny. He hit him over the head, and he promised to bring it back. What did he do? <laughs> I know, and I'm assuming that was the rabbi. And and I thought, you know, he was awfully calm for finding, you know, this, this strange man in his study stealing something. He says, like, I guess you're not here for. Did he say bonnet's lessons? I didn't quite understand, I, yeah, but. I yeah, it was it was it was pretty funny. And you're right. I wonder. It's like, how did he get it? You know, did he just take it? Did he say, I just need to borrow this for half an hour? It was very funny. <laughs> the other thing yeah, I thought was weird is was Mia saying that she was listening to the phone ring for ten minutes while standing there. Why did she? Why didn't she pick it up the first time? <laughs> like, right. I don't know. I found a lost cell phone. The first thing I do is. Look for a number that says home, mom, dad, whatever. And then if it mm-hmm. rings, I answer it. Yeah. <laughs> but she let it ring for 10 minutes before she went, eh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. Like, was she thinking maybe Dean would come running up any minute and, and get mad that she picked up his phone? It was, yeah, it was well, very strange. Well, she couldn't have known it was his because his phone isn't going to say, well, it's not going to say Dean anywhere. I'm sure he didn't talk about Sam. She only knows it was Dean because when she answered, Sam said Dean. Yeah, right. Uh, it would have so had. Very it would have had. 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 It was have had. It would 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 have yeah, I wondered for a minute, are we, you know, are we supposed to think she's autism? Because it was 
kind of convenient how she said, oh, you know, I'm just a shrink, you know, right here in a room full of alcohol. Yeah, I definitely, definitely thought that too. Um, The other thing I was wondering about is the the red sawdusty dirt kind of that they figured out for the, that was the apple orchard and the barn. Um, That was an awful lot to track in. (laughs) It's, I don't know, that was like a little bit, and I and I think it's great that it was a similar thing, but it seems like an awful lot at every scene with all this dirt. I'm like, wow, it really must have fallen to the shoes. Yeah, I thought it was going to have more significance with it being making the apples better and everything like that. But I don't know if maybe something regarding that got cut or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it seemed like it was going to have more significance and then it didn't. Yeah, I. Uh, I also thought it was funny. He said, you know, I don't eat apples. And I, I, if I were Dean, I would have said the only way I like apples is in pie, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe he could have said he doesn't like apples ever since, you know, that episode with the freaking apple pie. <laughs> yeah, Scarecrow. <laughs> that's, that's like, no more apple pie, pie for me. Mm-hmm. That's a pie that he now neglects. Or unless there's not a lot of sugar involved, he doesn't care about apples. If there's no yeah. pie, if there's crust and sugar involved... Apples are irrelevant to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And I thought Sam did a pretty good job as a lawyer, considering he, as you know, Dean says you were pre-law. <laughs> and I thought, he, I thought he did a pretty good job, you know. But it was very even funnier that he said, you know, I, I, I saw it on The Good Wife. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I thought the opposite. I expected more a more intense uh, legal <laughs> Sam. I really thought he was going to tap in and channel some pre-law there, and I was really, I was actually disappointed because... He was disappointed he wasn't enough of a lawyer. The one good point that he brought up, he was like, I saw that on The Good Wife, and his objections were not, they were worthy of being overruled. His cross-examines were good, but I really expected, you know, a little better. I expected a, a, a more hardcore, you know, scumbucket lawyer kind of thing, and... No. Mm-hmm. Although I do like that so, Dean does call him out on that and say, you know, you would have you would have made a good Scuzz Bucket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Clearly was not going to be a prosecutor. <laughs> no. <laughs> was it uh, in um, Wish Should Never Be? Wasn't he a like a some kind of corporate lawyer? He wasn't a yeah. defense. He was, right? well, he, yeah. was a, he was basically a paperwork huh. lawyer. Yeah, like a contract. So you know, I guess he was he was doing okay for that. Hey, at least they remembered that Sam was pre-law, you know, and and uh, yeah, that was that was seven years ago. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's cool. Got some good consistency and continuity there. And he was like he was given no time to prepare for the case. So no wonder he was a little bit maybe maybe that's the reason he was a little bit off balance in his. <laughs> and I real, I really really liked the way he was going with when he put um called Dean to the stand and his you know the way he was you know his the way he was going with that I thought that was really 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 good you know way of trying to prove that Dean doesn't think he's actually guilty. I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good way of not only showing Dean that it's not his fault, but it was kind of like a get over yourself Dean way and of doing it. And it was also a kind of way of him telling Dean, also, listen, Dean, this is not, you don't need to be feeling guilty about this because. And so, mm-hmm. you know, not only was he, like, talking to the judge, but he was actually talking to Dean as well. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they're... Yeah. I think as soon as they get through this Amy thing, and they will get get through it, um, they can get back to that really great brother support system that they are starting to get back to again, you know, at the end of last season and the beginning of, of this season. And maybe we can get through it, and that'll that'll be the end of Dean feeling guilty most of the time. I know it's it's you just can't turn it on and off, especially something that it's right. He's been this way since the beginning, you know. But uh, yeah, I, I you know it's some some personal growth and get through and feel better about himself, you know. And maybe Sam can help him get there, and then Dean can help Sam hang on to you know reality and get through everything with. Uh, the wall being down and Lucifer, you know, they've got to be there for each other, you know, and they're they're getting there, definitely. Um, Adam Glass wrote this episode, and he also wrote All Dogs Go to Heaven. I think it's interesting. This also had German shepherds in it, very well acting <laughs> German shepherds. <laughs> and who who tweeted? Was it Jim Michaels tweeted that they're they're actually very well trained tax, attack dogs? There were two German yeah, shepherds. Yeah. That was Jim Michaels. He was tweeting during the episode Friday night. Yeah, which was cool. <laughs> I was surprised he was tweeting during the East Coast. Airing yeah, I, I had to uh, I had to turn him off my Twitter alerts because he was watching it a few hours ahead of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> spoilers, no. <laughs> You're spoiling me, Jim. Stop. <laughs> yeah. he, didn't, he didn't give any real hardcore spoilers, but I didn't. I wasn't sure. I was like, uh, just in case. <laughs> we'll we'll tell, turn phone alerts off. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I like that the Egyptian statues, Jim said, that they're now in Russ Hamilton's yard for Halloween decorations. <laughs> I was wondering when I was watching if they got them for when they sold off the Stargate props. <laughs> you know? <laughs> They made them for the episode. Mhm. Uh, really well done. Yes. It's interesting how um, Peron talked about the wardrobe choices and took him a while to figure out exactly what did I Osiris wear when he was being judged. Which I find hilarious because you would have to think, okay, what's Osiris going to wear? What's Sam going to wear? Flannel, flannel, or flannel? Hmm. <laughs> so I, I find it really amusing that the wardrobe choices are probably the least difficult for the lead when in other shows it's the other way around. Right, mm-hmm. right. You pretty much know what the leads are always going to wear in some way, shape, or form. Um, the makeup for Joe to make her look ghostly was really well done. It wasn't over the top. It was. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with how how well it was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked her black eyeliner and then her pale lips, almost colorless lips and mm-hmm. pale face. Yeah, she looks great. It's good to see her again. She's oh, coming to okay. Chicago Con. What? Um, I was think this is just to let you know what made me think of this. Uh, we're talking about Joe, and then it reminds me when she pulls the lighter out of Dean's jacket, which made me think of the scene where they were showing the 
um, or Sam and Dean are supposed to be burning the bones of the little girl. Um, mm-hmm. So it's clearly, you know, scenes from previous episodes that they've filmed previous, you know, filmed before, because there was a scene uh, when Dean is doing the lighter. He was, you could tell he was wearing the leather jacket that we miss so much. <laughs> um. <laughs> yes, uh, the dear, the dear departed leather jacket that someone stole. Very unhappy about that. I'm nearly as unhappy as the as the crew <laughs> and Jensen, but yeah, but you know what? Yeah. Um, while I'm thinking about it really quick, I want to mention a couple of the fundraisers we have going right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the great big news of the week is everybody knows. Um, Jared and Genevieve Kalalecki announced that they're going to have a baby. And Yay! Yeah, so happy for them. Um, do and mm-hmm. um, she's around four months along. And um, Jared tweeted that in lieu of gifts, um, he would like for his fans to donate to the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. So we... Um, set up a first giving page like we did with our fundraiser for the American Cancer Society. And fans have been donating there in honor of the baby. And so far, um, Supernatural fans have raised $10,244. And that's just in three days. I mean, it was thousands Mm -hmm. in like less than 24 hours. It was less than 12 hours. And it was thousands. I'm flabbergasted. I mean, that shouldn't be because, you know, Supernatural fans are an incredibly generous group. But but that was like, it was like one tweet by Jared. And I, I, I hope he's aware of just how much amazing good he's done, you know, with just that, that one little tweet. <laughs> and and he they must be thrilled. And I, uh, back to the fundraiser, are we going to keep it going until until baby Padalecki is born? Or? Yes. Until the baby is born. What's that? Until the baby is born. Cool. Okay. And so, and I, um, I'm sure most most people know this, but I'm just gonna say it anyway. Winchester Bros does not handle the money at all. We don't keep the money. We don't get any of the money. We don't touch it. We never see it. We never yeah, we, see it. We never touch it. It never passes through the Winchester Bros members' uh, bank accounts. It goes directly to the charity that we are raising the money for, such as the American Cancer Society, uh, and this now is St. Jude's. Uh, it's it's never been any other way, and um, we just, we just the, need the to say that out there. The First Giving website, that's the way it works. When you donate through the First Giving website, it goes straight to the charity that you're donating to. In this instance, St. Jude, it, 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 we never, ever have anything to do with it. All we have done is set up a page to give so fans can go donate it and make it easier mm-hmm. for them. We mm-hmm. have nothing to do whatsoever with the money. It also nope, makes it just easier with first, with first Giving as far as uh, credit card fees because you have the option with First Giving. You can either have First Giving... Um, deduct from your donation what the credit card fee would be, or you can pay the additional amount to cover the credit card fee. You have that option, 
Uh, so again, it just makes it easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and and, so there's, and there's no we surprises. Only do it. There's no surprises on your statement later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we only we we do it as just to make it easy because I know fans love to do stuff. And Jared suggested instead of giving you know baby gifts, this is a very worthy cause that relates because St. Jude's um, takes care of children. And um, and I don't believe they they don't ever turn a child down who needs help. They are a very worthy cause, and we just it's easy for us. We have over twenty thousand Twitter followers, and and thousands on Facebook, and we have a website and our podcast. And it's just an easy way to get the information out. If you would like to do something, uh, uh, it's a great cause in honor of Jared and Jen and and. Um, their baby to come. We're just we just try to make it easy. The money we don't touch the money. Just want that out there. And then having said that, um <laughs> we, <laughs> we also have um with um some eBay auctions going right now. Um Cliff Kosterman, as everybody knows he's Jared and Jen Jared and Jen Jared and Jensen's bodyguard. And a friend of his um some friends of his have a little one year old daughter who um, was recently diagnosed with a brain tumor, and she's going to have to have chemo and radiation and everything. And it, it's just a really, really hard time right now for the family. And he asked um, us to help them with their, you know, if, if, any way that we can. So we have um, this awesome fan, Amanda, had donated several autographed pictures to us, which we have now put on eBay and all the funds for that, um, well, all the every 100% of the proceeds from these auctions will go to the the Whittle Putts family, and on um, for their little girl Lily. And right now, um, the it's at $469.78 is how much has been bid so far, and there's still almost six days left on the auctions. Um, you can go to eBay and look for the um, do a search for eBay seller Daisy Angels. E-A-I-S-Y-A-N-G-E-L-S. The link's also on our website, Facebook, Twitter, um, as well as for the fundraiser for St. Jude. The links are on our Facebook um, website, Twitter. um, And the eBay sells, they will go through um, our, you know, this one, the money, because it's not, because they're a private, they're people and not a public charity, um, we can't do the eBay charity there where the money goes straight to them. The money will go to us and we will then send it straight to the family. You you know, Cliff tweeted it, you know it's it's safe, it's true, it's you know, it's you can totally mm-hmm. trust that the money will go right to the right people to help and the little girls. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. We we make no money on on anything and as a matter of fact uh um, when we have prizes and everything, you know, we we take care of shipping and sending, and we don't deduct that from any kind of donation that comes from us. So, yeah, just want that out there. And also, we will um, we we're still not finished with our American Cancer Society fundraiser. We still have uh, a couple things for that that we'll be auctioning soon. Um, so keep an eye out for those. But yeah, if you can, just you know, you have you know, just take a look at the auctions 
you know, bid if you want to, bid if you can. There's some great autograph photos of Jensen, Jared, Misha, um, Jake Abel, Ghost Facers, Matt Cohen. Really, really good, cool mm-hmm. pictures. And thank you, Amanda, so much for donating them. Mhm. Yeah, and you know, donation. You know, sometimes or donations, uh, straight donations, not like you know, for bidding or whatever. You know, you do you do whatever you can. Nobody's asking you to do more. You don't have to do everything. You know your own. You know your own situation the best. There's no pressure. Nobody has to do it. Nobody has to do all of them. You can pick and choose. You can do all. You can do none. It's entirely up to you. Um, you know, please don't, please don't like send your rent money or anything like that. You know, that's that's not good. And and don't think what if you have like, well, I can only send two dollars. Well, every little bit helps and it adds up. So, but please, absolutely no pressure. You do what you can when you can, and if you can't, that's okay. That is okay. So I think that's the only things we have going this week, wasn't it? The only things that we had, we had Ferran on our podcast, and then we had um, the fundraisers. Were, I think that's all we, all of our news this week, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, next weekend, I won't be on the podcast. I'll be at the Chicago convention. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. Um, and Alona's going to be there. Mark Pellegrino. Um, Corin Nemec. Rick Worthy. Uh, you have a Sebastian chance. Roche. Hmm? Yeah. If you have a chance with any of those people, you need to tell them they need to come on our podcast. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, of course, you know, the usual guys, you know, Jared, Jensen, Misha, and ah, whatever. Oh, they're going too. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, and Chad. <laughs> and Chad Lindbergh, and I don't think Cliff is talking this time, but Cliff will be around. Sure. Amy's going to be there too, isn't she? Amy Gominick. Yep, and also Guy Norman B. Awesome. Yes. Our, our beloved Amy. guest. Yeah, I can't wait to meet him. Amy and Guy, two of our favorite people. Yep. Definitely. Um, a couple more things about the episode, just quick, just on the look of it. I like the opening teaser, which threw you right in the middle of the action. That was a lot of fun. I love that yeah. transition. Yeah, I thought it was great. And um, um, the thing I wondered about is uh, there was a car after him. It wouldn't have been more like the actual victims. Like, why was he being chased down by a little girl? I'm guessing. My theory was, I'm guessing it was the ghost of the little girl driving his car that killed her. Oh, okay. I thought it was neat that it was on the 10th floor. I got the car. Yeah, that, was, that was really cool. Yeah, and then the the end scene. You know, we've we've often seen Sam and Dean have a conversation over drinks of some kind, 
um, on the side of the road or the side of like a like a river or whatever. So they have to keep finding like new and different ways to do that, and they're they always do, and they're always so beautifully shot. I mean, last night was just gorgeous. It was very peaceful and pretty, and kind of a little bit reflective of how Sam was feeling, kind of at peace with himself. And I thought, oh, yeah, I thought that last, that last scene was just beautiful. I, you know, it was one of the prettiest scene, you know, scenic areas that they've had. I, I really loved it. Mm-hmm. Although I do always wonder with those scenes that at what point do they look over at each other and go, you want to pull over the side of the road and have a beer randomly? Always, <laughs> always strikes me as so amusing. But, uh, I don't know, that's just me. <laughs> I just always find it really, really amusing. Uh, uh, Jim Weaver just tweeted a picture of I guess his daughter on the on the Egyptian set, so that's pretty cool. I'm guessing that's Natty. I don't know. He said somebody's kid. Yeah, I think wasn't that wasn't that when um, she w- she went to Vancouver for his birthday that week. And, and mm-hmm. That's right. It's a cool picture. Anybody who follows Jim on Twitter, it just showed up. Um. Yeah, it is kind of interesting that Sam and Dean just kind of stop in the middle of nowhere, but, I, you know, the car's their home, pretty much, and if you don't want to be snuck up on or or eavesdropped on, well, you stop in the middle of nowhere. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I wonder, you know, Sam has come to terms and balanced out his, the pros and cons of his life and his his guilt versus his, his the dues he's paid. To me, that seems awfully well adjusted for someone who's kind of half crazy. How do you guys? Um, I thought that was just really well adjusted and kind of odd. I I yeah I like I hope it doesn't. Backfire. I hope he's not pretending. Because I, when I was watching, I thinking, "Wow, he seemed so calm and at peace and all that." I said, "Hope he's not like just you know, uh, uh, you know, pushing it deep inside and he's still stewing." But you know what? Um, he's he has never been the one with the guilt that Dean has. You know, he is a little bit more like I. You know, sometimes I just do what I got to do. You know, and I don't like it, but I can either understand it or, or excuse it, and or get through it and understand it. And I actually think it was in um, Bardic Voices' discussion of this episode, her review. She said um, it's a little bit the difference in their times in hell, and maybe. And um, Sam was tortured in hell. And Dean was not only tortured, he also did the torture ring. So maybe that's why Sam is a little bit quicker to think that he's paid he's paid his dues and done his time mostly. So, I also find it kind of interesting that Dean, the idea of driving in the car with a well-adjusted Sam kind of perturbs Dean. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yes, I, I think Dean gets more and more annoyed that Sam seems to be taking this so well. <laughs> yeah. You know, the fact that Sam isn't mopey and, you know, introverted wigs Dean out. I find that amusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, but I, I, I hope he's also grateful that he doesn't have to not only deal with himself, what's going on, but deal with a, a you know, emo, sad, difficult, whatever, Sam. Well, I wonder you about know. that because I think part of how he deflects his own emotions is by having to take care of something else. So mm-hmm. That's right. Him, then he has to look to himself more. And I think that that may prove to be an issue. Mhm. Yeah. Especially the increase in alcohol intake. Yeah. I really hope they're going somewhere with that. You know, I'd be surprised I, I really if they do. aren't because even compared to how much he just drinks on a regular, I'm a, I'm a casual drinker way. This is a lot of alcohol. This is even more than season three alcohol. Mhm. Because that was. Or, you and know, season, season three and season, I mean, season four was numb the pain alcohol, and it was very much like chugging from the chugging from the bottle, and it was very obvious, like, I can't cope. This is just constant and mm-hmm. consistent throughout the day drinking. Mm-hmm. You drink, you know, water or Coke. Right. And, and I, I'm pretty sure they are going. To, they are going somewhere with it because Sam called him on it so many times in the episode, like when he couldn't get mm-hmm. a hold of Dean, uh, when he couldn't get a hold of Dean on the cell phone. He said, "I hope you're not bombed." And mm-hmm. so, yeah. And that's the first. Yeah. Time, this is this is really the first time Sam's ever really called him on how how much he's drinking, and when he uh, when they found the um, AA chip. And you could tell that was just, you know, Dean, you know, was did not like the AA chip. And it's just, you know, little things like that I think is really showing that Dean's, Dean's got a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it must be. I mean, we can say that Sam finally talking about it. Maybe Dean's doing it even more than even Sam's starting to notice because Dean's always been a drinker. And... Now he's really starting to comment. It must be really ramping up. Um, we have a caller. We have a few minutes left, so I think I'll put them on. Uh, hello, hello, Winchester Radio. Hi, yes. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Good show tonight. Very good, yes. Thank you. Um, yeah, I was just uh, thinking about the whole Sam um commenting on Dean drinking drinking and I really felt Dean is feeling this um this tension and guilt about lying to Sam and that's how he deals with everything. He just drinks. <laughs> so uh, I think it's it's going to that point why he's drinking and then Sam noticing it so it's gonna be like, Oh, what is bothering Dean so much? And then, you know, obviously Dean being so bothered by the idea that he lied to Sam. Um, 
and that's where the I think that's where the, the whole drinking is going. Yeah, yeah, I, I I can totally see that. Yeah, he's drinking a lot more because of we you know, right there at the beginning you have Sam Apollo you know, saying thank you for trusting me and leaving Amy alone and yeah yeah, so he what does he do to make you know, to make himself not feel bad, he just goes and drinks more. Right, he just numbs it with the with the drinking. And the the whole AA chip and all that was um uh, I don't know. Um, it was interesting that you know he had that comment, and then Sam said he wasn't surprised <laughs> that he felt that way about AA. Um, but some some people thought that the that comment at the beginning was a little heavy-handed, like hitting us over the head with the idea that you know he still feels guilty about Amy. But I think it was necessary when he had the flashback on trial or um and he saw that was part of his guilt for lying to Sam and then he flashed back mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, um thank you <laughs> for for doing that for me. So I, I think it's all building up and it has to fester. I think it really needs to fester for a few weeks. Um and really bother him. maybe maybe next week, maybe the week after. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how long it's gonna have to fester, but it really does need to bother him. A lot more, and families get more suspicious. I think. Oh, definitely. So, um, I really did enjoy the episode, though. Um, I guess I was a little, like you said, a little disappointed that Sam wasn't a little bit more uh, legalese. And uh, but his his cross examination of Dean was really good. That he kept he was really trying to convince Dean that you know you don't need to feel guilty. This none of this is your directly your fault. Without knowing that you know he had um, killed Amy. <laughs> so. Right, right. Thank you very very much for calling. We really appreciate okay. it. You brought up some really, really good points. All right. Well, thank you for being there. I love your show tonight. Thanks. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hmm. That was cool. <laughs> um, well, we've got about five minutes. Is there anything else we need to talk about? Let everybody know. Got a fantastic episode coming up. Um, can't wait to see it. So excited about this week's episode, this coming episode. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be so much fun to watch it at the convention Friday night. You know, it's, I mean, I enjoy it if I'm watching it on my own, but to watch it Friday night at the convention, it's going to be so cool. Uh, it, does the hotel get CW? I know sometimes the convention hotels don't get it, which sucks. Yeah, that is the best convention you can watch it. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to call and and make sure. If not, you'll all you'll all have to find a, a bar or a restaurant nearby and beg them to put the TV on the CW. Mhm. Yeah. Well, I remember last. 
last year, um, creation scheduled like like registration like right around the episode was on. And if you <laughs> want to like re up for the following year, you've got to register early so you can you know get in early. So you're like, ah, do I watch the episode? Do I run down and register? What do I do? So, yeah. At this um, at this year's past LA convention, Vinny and I went to. Um, at first, remember the Brian Buckley concert was scheduled at the same time as the episode, but thankfully, Creation realized what they were doing and they changed it to ten o'clock instead of nine o'clock. Yeah, yeah. So we yeah. ran down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They must just not have been thinking or something because it's like, really, it's a convention about supernatural. You really think we're gonna miss the episode?